It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now, JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. The gate, JT with you. It is a Monday. It seems to be nice and sunny out as we're battling through winter here out west. JT with you. I hope you had a great weekend. And we're ready to go here as the Raiders are at the Combine, and you're going to hear great exclusive Combine coverage from Vinny Bonsignor. Q is back there. The Raiders are there, the Raider digital team. So this week we pivot exclusively to the Combine in Indianapolis as the Raiders will be on the ground. They're on the ground now. It really gets going tomorrow, and you'll get that coverage here on the channel constantly. So it's a good week here, an important week. Short week for me. I got a little Florida jaunt, uh, middle of the week. I'll be back on Monday, so I got a couple of shows this week. So I'd like to go really fast. I'd like to get to the point. I'd like to talk about the Raiders at the Combine and what Raider Nation thinks needs to be accomplished this week. That's about it. That This is Combine week, along with a lot of other topics from the NBA. You know, the pitch clock in Major League Baseball is a really big topic. The Golden Knights made a trade and brought in a tough Russian forward with a Stanley Cup ring who I think is going to help the Vegas Golden Knights which is really cool the XFL uh, the home opener in Vegas was a washout kind of they're 0-2 and for those who ran in the marathon yesterday anybody a lot of people in this town were in the marathon and ran in the marathon so that's where we're going today hope again you had a good weekend as we get rolling here anything you want to talk about Raider related I'm ready to give you my opinion on it's tough now because this is a new regime. They're really tight with their information, rightfully so. We know where they came from. They're not going to give you easy, low-hanging fruit about what they're going to do. And I hope the Raider Nation understands that. Okay, there's going to be a lot of gossip podcasters and people looking for clicks. trying to get, And then that's a good market. That's entertaining. When people are on a podcast and they're hanging out in their garage or their beautiful studio at home, and they got a Raider hat on, and they take, they're going to put up a video of all these quarterbacks. That's good content. I look at it. But it's not content coming from within the team and from what some of the insiders who cover the team on the inside and outside have. And there's not supposed to be a lot of that. There's not. There's not supposed to be a lot of information about what the Raiders are doing. You imagine the Al Davis era, which you grew up in. You didn't know what Mr. Davis was going to do at the draft. You can take a kicker in Sebastian Janikowski. Everyone in the room... Everyone in the room could have thought, hey, I got my cornerback, man. Man, I got this tight end. I can't wait to pitch him to Mr. Davis. And Mr. Davis at the end takes everyone's opinions, and then boom, he decides who they're going to pick. That's changed. Mark has a tremendous amount of input. He owns the team. But clearly, Dave Ziegler, this is his draft, along with the head coach and the scouting department, to try to get it right. To really make you feel good about the upcoming draft, which it's hard to do around here. Okay, since the Raiders moved to Vegas, and I've been anchoring the Raider draft coverage on radio, you know, I get hyped up for this. You know, I'm I'm ready to roll. Let's go. Let's the Raiders are on the clock. Who are they going to take? And it's been a wild ride. Henry Ruggs, 
Damon Arnett, Alex Leatherwood, the most famous one for me, Cleland Farrell, number four overall. Let me repeat, let me repeat that to the people that I like in the former regimes. Henry Ruggs III, Alex Leatherwood, Damon Arnett, I mean, come on. And Cleland Farrell, number four overall. The Raiders recently have been known as a franchise that are reaching for a draft pick. No more reaching. Okay, let's stop with the reaching. You're either one of two Raider fans who are listening to me today. One of two. You want the best player available at the pick. Best player available. If it's an offensive guard or if it's a sideline-to-sideline linebacker, you want Dave Ziegler to clearly evaluate those two players and take the best available. Or... You're a specific Raider fan who wants specific type players, which isn't the best available. The best available player at that point might be a wide receiver, and you say, I'm good. We got Devontae. I don't need a, another Devontae. We got Devontae. I want this guy. That's who you are. You're one of those two uh, gentlemen or ladies. You want to get the best available player, or you're targeting on specific positional needs. I don't know where I'm at yet, nor should I be. I don't have to have my opinion now. <laughs> they, even have, they haven't had pro workouts yet. They haven't had the combine yet. So I'm not going to sit here and say what they should do. I just want to get, I want to get the hype train going. I want to get Raider fans in the offseason the ability to be optimistic and have opinions. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was very fortunate to host three separate Raider chalk talks. Uh, two were at the facility, one with Tim Brown and Kirk Morrison, that was really in-depth, a lot of fun, all for Raider partners. Uh, Roy Hart, who played defensive tackle for the Raiders for L.A., uh, he was one of our guests. And then Courtney Anderson, who I was with yesterday at the stadium all day, he was our guest with the Chalk Talk. He played on that Richmond high school basketball team, Coach Carter. They made a movie about it, and he was a nice tight end for the Raiders. And usually when we do these Chalk Talks, I talk to the player, I interview the player about his career, how you started, and Pop Warner. Take you on the journey, and most of these guys are really good at it. And then we open it up to questions, and all three of the question and answers that we did were very fun and unique because they were all about what the Raiders are going to do coming up. And normally it's not like that. Normally someone raises their hand and says, hey, who's the best defensive player you ever played against? Who's the best quarterback? Who's your favorite teammate? No, 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 no. Raider Nation was sitting there with the microphone going, I want to ask you about the quarterbacks. So I think I'm pretty prepped up with this. I know the top five quarterbacks. Normally what I do every year heading into the draft and the combine is I try to put together a chart of the 10 best players at every position. So the 10 best tight ends, the 10 best defensive tackles. So I have an idea who those names are. I try to familiarize myself with those names because a lot of those names I don't know, didn't see him play, nor did you. And then we take a look at that. And then when the Raiders pick in the third round, I got an idea of how many of those great players are left and maybe have a little bit of a guideline, but it's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. Some people think after the first 15 picks in the draft, the whole thing's a crapshoot, right? You don't know who you're going to get, how good they're going to be. And Raider fans with the number seven pick overall are licking their chops to get a quarterback at seven or to trade up or to trade back. And that's what I have to do here. My job coming up here over the next month is to navigate through all the rumors all the rumors about the Raiders and free agency, what the Raiders might be interested in doing in the draft, finding a couple of nuggets here and there from what other teams and insiders are saying. 
And then, you know, just build a fast-paced radio show for the next couple of weeks. But it's going to be dominated by the Combine and the NFL Draft. For some, that is very boring radio and boring television. It is. It's, it's, it could be at nauseum, right, sitting here talking about an offensive guard. I don't do a lot of that. It's just not my thing. I don't spend a lot of time talking about backup cornerbacks. I don't like talking about practice squad players. I love the fact that they made the Raiders and they're on the practice squad. It's just win, baby. I need starters and pro bowlers in here. That's what we're trying to do. Who are the pro bowlers and what the Raiders could do? I'm much more into free agency for radio talk fodder than I am into the draft because I don't know who's going to be available with the Raiders' second, third round pick. But I know the Raiders' cap space, and I know the needs they have. So Jalen Ramsey, a lot of people texting me about that. What do you think about Jalen Ramsey? I think he's a hell of a player. And, you know, he's got a lot of contract money coming due. And, you know, the Rams don't seem to want him. Would that be a good fit for the Raiders? Hell yeah, it'd be a good fit for the Raiders because he can catch the freaking ball. Raiders haven't had anybody in the secondary who can catch a ball if it hits him in the chest. So, yeah, if you can get Jalen Ramsey in here and we can get a guy who can, uh, can take the ball back and make plays still in his 20s, I'm all for that. A lot of Raider fans asking about defensive tackle. Defensive tackle. Well, I think the greatest defensive tackle that the Raiders have drafted in a long time was Daryl Russell. May he rest in peace. He went to the Pro Bowl in his first two years in the league. Since then, it's been a revolving door of defensive tackles. Big Jonathan Hankins, Tillery, you know, Jelly Ellis. I like Jelly Ellis. We, we can't afford to have Jelly Ellis here anymore. We got to have a beast. We got to have a lunatic playing defensive tackles, 24 years old, and demands the double team. Where is that player? If he's not available in the first round, can Dave Ziegler get him in the third? Out of a school, and all of a sudden he just blows up and he's a great elite player. Don't know. We got to look at these guys and see where they're going to be. So if you'd like to help out, which again, that's what I look at the show. You help me, I help you. I'll give us some opinions on what you think this week needs to do. What has to happen this week? Because some of those phone calls can be very good and very critical, right? You're a fan, you're paying for season tickets. You call me and say, look, the Raiders, it's do or die. This draft, they got to be great. Because a lot of people think the, the fundamental concepts of Dave Ziegler is to build from the ground up with younger, cheaper players who are smarter, more athletic, strong character, and get them in there and build something long-term. I'm all for that. But a lot of Raider fans don't want to hear about long-term when the team came off six wins. They want to hear about that. And they listen to this show. And there are a lot of smart Raider fans who are just as passionate, and they're okay looking at a model that builds it correctly so the Raiders can get something sustainable. Mike Mayock told me that on the radio. So did Reggie McKenzie. They all say the same thing, and they all mean it, so they're not, they're not being bad guys. They all say the same thing. They want to build something that's going to be sustainable. Well, how are you going to build something sustainable in the AFC West with Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, now working with Kellen Moore and Patrick Mahomes, with Andy Reid and Matt Nagy. How are you going to build something sustainable if those teams in your division are kicking your ass, taking names, and, and dominating you? I don't know what you're going to do. What, are you going to build a younger team? How much younger can you get with Devontae Adams and his clock ticking as he's getting fitted for a gold jacket? 
Max Crosby will buy into anything. You tell Max you want to build this thing long term and you want to go all in and win the Super Bowl. Max is like, I, I'm, I'm going to be there first. I'm going to be the first guy in the room. I'm good. And then, you know, what do you do? I, I, my big thing, guys, you know me, gals. My big thing is use Las Vegas as a weapon to recruit. That's my thing. Go out and sell this. On the when I was at the Pro Bowl practicing there over in Vegas, and all those great you know at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, all the players who were there had their head on a swivel. Here's a quick fun story. On Friday night, Tim Brown came to this chalk talk at the Raider facility. It was his first time there. I was shocked because Tim's been to a lot of Raider games at Allegiant Stadium. He never went to the facility, and we're sitting there having a, a water before we go on. And he goes, "I can't believe this place." I was he, Tim Brown. Quote: "I'm almost in tears." I go, wow, Timmy, tell me. He goes, compared to what we had, what we had in Elson Goodno in a former elementary school, which was our training center, compared to, and Tim played a year in, uh, in Tampa, as you remember, and he said you had to take showers with your socks on because there was a fungus going on there in Tampa, and you had to wear socks showering. And Tim's looking around at this facility going, I can't believe this. He was so blown away. Well, the facilities, the stadium, the lifestyle in Vegas needs to be used in what? Free agency. The draft kid's going to play anywhere. You tell him he's going to play in Cincinnati? He's going to play in Detroit? He's going to play in Miami or Las Vegas? He has no choice. He's getting drafted. He's going to show up ready to go. You go tell a free agent that they could go play with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? That free agent might go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Fill me in on that. I'll go for a year. I'm Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I like that type of party. So the free agency has a lot to do with recruiting Las Vegas and the franchise and the new facility and getting the right players to come in. The draft is just a crapshoot. you got to hope you do well in the draft and you get the right players. The quarterbacks from Will Levis to Richardson, the quarterback, to Bryce Young, what's going to happen with C.J. Stroud? Uh, The report today, according to Adam Schefter, is that the Bears are leaning to moving their top pick. And I'll get into this also next hour. Uh, That's interesting. What that is, is hype. Someone's leaking that to Adam Schefter, and Adam Schefter, who's in the business of information and content, tweets out that Chicago is said to, quote, be leaning towards moving the pick. So that would be the top pick overall. They would keep Justin Fields, which I think is the right thing to do, and then they would move back. Well, where would they move back? They could move back to seven. If Dave wants to move up from seven to one, I think that's very feasible, but then he'd want to have either Bryce Young or he'd definitely want to get C.J. Stroud and not let Indianapolis wait to get him at four. But the Bears could have a, a solid draft. The Bears can trade back from one to two or one to four and then trade back from four to six. The Bears are in a really good spot in this draft because there are some good quarterbacks that are going to go in the top ten, and they can easily move back and still get a top ten pick. And they, then they could add a number one for next year or two number twos this year. So then all of a sudden you're looking at the Bears and the Bears can get out of the first day of the draft with like three new players on defense who can rebuild their entire defense. They're in a really good spot there. I'm seeing more and more chatter on Twitter about the Raiders moving back. So why would the Raiders move back? Well, the Raiders are at number seven. They think that the quarterback they want is going to drop to ten or 11, risky move, and they trade back from 7 to 10. Or they let a team that's picking 18 or 20 come in and take their seventh pick, and then they get their first-round pick, which is 18, and another first-round pick next year. 
that they could use to move up again or do something else. So that's where we stand overall. The Bears are making some news today. And then the Aaron Rodgers news. There's not a lot of new Aaron Rodgers news since he's come in from the dark and what's going to happen with him as we open up this show. But I believe that Aaron Rodgers is viable because he's great and he's elite. And the Raiders could, with Aaron Rodgers, come into the AFC West and compete for the division. I really believe that. Now, would they have to use a lot of money that they could use on other players to get him? Yeah, they have to. But another thing is I was in the building yesterday on Sunday, and I walk in there, and it's empty. And there's a staff on the field, and they're putting the fantasy camp together for Caesars Rewards. And I'm walking around that empty stadium, and it reminded me it's brand new. It's brand freaking new, this stadium. And the Super Bowl's here this year. And I said to myself, myself as I'm walking through the stadium to get down to the field, this would be the time to have Aaron Rodgers in this brand new building where you could still smell the new paint with the Super Bowl going to be here this year. That'd be pretty hypey. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be kind of fun for me driving down to do the pregame show from the torch knowing Aaron Rodgers is on the field that day with Devontae Adams. I'm going to tell you the honest truth. Every time I open my mouth, I'm telling you the truth. You might not like it. And that, to me, is feasible. They can do that deal. The Raiders have the money and the cap space as they moved away from Derek Carr to go get Aaron Rodgers. And he's available, I think, because the other big rumor today is that the Packers are ready to move on from him. But that's also a bunch of hype. Dove Kleiman, who has a big following, he said, quote, The Packers are now open to moving on from Aaron Rodgers because unlike the past two seasons, they now see a, quote, guy capable of starting in Jordan Love. They also have some cap issues at work, according to Albert Breer. So I read that column, and that was a pretty good column in regards to this and what they can do from Albert Breer because I truly believe the Green Bay Packers are ready to move on to Jordan Love because they haven't been able to win with Aaron Rodgers. They got a championship with them. They got one. They're probably not going to get a second, but you have a better chance to win in the NFC than the AFC. Much easier chance to win in the NFC than the AFC. And the Packers could just be done with Aaron Rodgers. They're sick of this crap. They don't want to wait for him. They don't want to wait for him to dictate anything. And in in reality, doesn't Jordan Love deserve a shot now? Steve Young waited a long time behind Montana, and every Niner fan started to say, even though I'm a Joe Montana fan, come on, man, Steve Young deserves a chance, doesn't he? That's why we got him. He deserves to play. Well, that's the rumblings coming out of Green Bay now. That's the rumblings that are happening now. If you're going to do the right thing, you get rid of Rodgers, you don't owe him $60 million, it's off the books, you can completely get new players everywhere, and you can let Jordan Love, who was born to do this and drafted to do this, you give him his free chance in Green Bay. And then they tell that to Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is going to do one of two things. He's going to say, well, I was going to tell you I'm ready to leave. You're not going to tell me that you're done with me. I'm going to tell you that I'm done with you. Please make a trade for me. Or Green Bay is going to come up to him and say, you know, Aaron, let's do one more big ride. Let's go out. Why don't you retire at the end of this year? Why don't we all agree that you'll play one more year and we'll go out on a victory lap and we'll take this thing deep into the playoffs and go there again? Because Green Bay's got cap problems because of what they're paying Aaron Rodgers. Would the Raiders have cap problems? According to Albert Breer, SI.com, Rodgers is due $59.52 million this year. It's fully guaranteed. 
No one is trading for a quarterback with that number without knowing he's all in, especially with that quarterback carrying the hammer of a potential retirement with him. So while Rodgers doesn't have a no-trade clause on paper, as a practical matter, he might as well have one. Rodgers has a cap number of $31.62 million for this year thanks to a contract that runs through 2023 but spreads cap charges to 2026. The trouble with that, of course, is that the $40.31 million in dead cap charges to deal with if they trade Rodgers. Those could be alleviated by waiting until June 1st to trade them, but it's hard to imagine delaying things until that given circumstance. So it's a lot of money. It's very complex, and if the Raiders want to go get Aaron Rodgers, they're going to have to find a way to deal with all that money, getting a commitment out of him for more than a year, and to see what could happen. So the Raiders are clearly in play on this. Albert Breer has good connections with the Raiders, going back a long time with New England. So he's a guy that I'm following really closely here with his opinions on what's happening. He wrote a big column on Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers and the free agent quarterbacks who are there. So that's the monologue brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, uh, midnight to 2 a.m. A lot going on at PT's here because you can go watch the Golden Knights, and they love it, man. Every TV's on the Golden Knights. I was at uh, PT's, the SG bar, over the weekend, and it was just sports, 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 gaming, great food menu, and they're happy that we're working with them, and we're happy that they're our proud partner. 702-365-9200. I should never have an open phone line on Raider Nation Radio because there's no need to have Raider Nation Radio if there's open phone lines. There should be Raider fans all over the globe fighting to get on this radio show every day. That's the A-list I bring every day. Match my energy. Bledsoe, Lake Las Vegas, start us off on the flagship. What's happening? Hey, JT, you're exactly right. You know, we really don't need the draft. We've got Vegas everybody's going to want to come here. I think the script has already been handed out and just sit back and enjoy the Super Bowl win. We don't have to pay anything to get that guy who signed that two-year exclusive with win. What are you talking about? So you're, you're saying Brady? Brady? So you want to oh, go get yeah. – you think Brady did not retire when he made that retirement speech on the beach and he's coming he, to the Raiders? He's already here, dude. You don't, remember when he threw to Moss? Wait till you see him throw to Devontae. Yeah, but he Mark retired. And Renfro. He but, retired before, dog. So, I mean, so the, what leads you to believe the, What leads you to believe that he's going to unretire? As I'm giving you a lot of room here, this is not a fake <laughs> comedy show on the Strip. We're trying to do some radio. Well, this sounds well, like a this, comedy bit, like you're performing at Jimmy well, Kimmel Live. Uh, please, he, he, please. He's already signed one. He's signed an exclusive with uh, Wynn already. Okay, so you so you think anything that happens to do with a casino deal or something with his brand means he's coming to the Raiders? Well, look who the coach is here, guys. Wait till you see him throwing to Devontae and uh, Renfro. Can I ask you one more and, question? One more question, yeah. please. Are you yeah. drinking or are you, are you on the stickiest of the ickiest today? Hey, you are, are you, what are you doing today? You don't have to give up any draft picks to get Brady. Okay, buddy, thanks for the call. I wait around all weekend to host this show, and I get that. You know, my wife kicks me out of the house. Get out of here. You're pacing. Half hour before the show. Come on, man. Like, go, go. Go in the studio. You, you're not good here at the house. The dog's looking at you like you're a maniac. And I get that comedy guy. Look, I wanted Brady more than anybody. I got some trolls. I got some Twitter trolls. 
And they're like, oh, JT's in love with Brady and in love with Rodgers. Yeah, I kind of am, man. I want this team to win. Brady and Rodgers helps you win quicker. No debate. No debate. But if the program is to build it certainly the right way with the new regime, and they don't want to spend that much money. I liked Brady, too, because Brady would have been more cost-effective. Brady would have been a little bit cheaper, a lot cheaper than Aaron Rodgers, and I think he would have fit in nicely with this scheme. Also, Jared Stidham, where does he fit in? As reports are, are there reports that they're negotiating with him? No one knows that. Only Dave Ziegler would know that, and he hasn't told me that. So Jared Stidham, I'd like to see him be here as the bridge quarterback starter or the backup quarterback for Aaron Rodgers or someone like that. I don't think that this team should have Jimmy Garoppolo and both Jared Stidham. I don't think you need both of them. They're kind of the same guy in the system. When we come back, more combine talk and baseball talk today. We're going to have Q's going to join us at 1 o'clock from the combine. Our program director, talk show host Q Myers, and Roxy Bernstein. Baseball play-by-play voice, college basketball play-by-play voice. As the conference championship tournaments are coming to Vegas. So Roxy on the pitch clock and some other issues as we continue on a beautiful Monday with some wackos. This is Raider Nation Radio. Robertson to the goal, save Brossois, does the stack to keep the puck away, now in front, oh, a sprawling windmill, save Brossois, how did he do that, Petrangelo with the puck for the Knights. It was one of the greatest saves I've ever seen in my life, VGK radio on the call, Dan Duba, so they go out and make a trade, and I think they are adding depth, the Vegas Golden Knights need to do that here. You know, we look at the AFC and we look at the NFC in football, and one conference is always harder than the other, right? So this, I still think it's the AFC because of Mahomes. So when you look at Mahomes, you wonder, oh, how are you going to get through Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl? I picked Buffalo the last two years to win the Super Bowl. Buffalo Bills, I will not do that again. And they were close. And DeMar Hamlin's heart issue, I think, was the key reason why Buffalo didn't go, but that's a different story. When it comes to hockey, the NHL Eastern Conference is the toughest in all of hockey. You got the Bruins, the Leafs, the Lightning. And then in the other side there, you got Carolina, the Devils. I mean, only one team is going to make the Stanley Cup out of the East, everybody. One team is going to have to go through all that, and it's probably going to be in Boston. Out West, Vegas is on top of the Pacific. The Dallas Stars, who Vegas has more points, is on top of the Central. Vegas is on top of the West. So if Vegas, follow me here, had to go through the Eastern Conference teams in the playoffs, I don't think they get out of the second round. I mean that. I think they get in and maybe they win the first round and then they're out. For Vegas, the Golden Knights are in a beautiful spot here. They're in the weaker conference. They just added some depth. Everybody's hoping Stone can come back. They got multiple goalies who can play and guys who will hopefully going to get healthier as the playoffs come around. Vegas could be in a very good spot. They're 17-5-5 on the road. So we know the Golden Knights can win on the road in the Western Conference deep into the playoffs. The question is, will they suffer more injuries? This team has been really banged up and hurt the last couple of years, and they can't afford that again. They have to be healthy. I am all in on this because the only reason I'm all in on Vegas Golden Knights this year, considering they didn't make the playoffs last year or where they were, is because 
it's easier this year. It's kind of like Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. It was easy to go through the NFC. For Vegas in hockey, it's easier to go through the West. And they could find themselves here in the Western Conference Finals going up against an Eastern team in the Stanley Cup that is bludgeoned and beat up and injured because they went through an absolute war. A Raiders priority for Dave Ziegler this week. That I'm, I'm being very specific. Not free agency, the draft. What do you want to, what do you, what would you like the Raiders to get accomplished at the combine for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels? Hopefully one of, one of them are going to join us tomorrow. I've been alerted on that. Would be nice to talk to either Dave or Josh McDaniels tomorrow if we get an opportunity to do that. Uh, my heart is still full after the Fred Bolitnikoff party we did last week. We had a good conversation with Freddie and he was really gracious about that. Really meant a lot to me that Freddie listened to those whole shows and we're going to take those interviews and post them at Raiders.com. That should be going up here pretty quickly. Bobby did a nice job getting those ready to go. Always a good call as Raider Dave's in Denver behind enemy lines. What's going on there, Dave? How you been? Hey, I've been all right, man. A couple trips to Arizona and just trying to lay low. Mostly been listening to the podcast, and it just warms my heart the way you just nailed last week with Blitnikoff. My favorite player of all time. Since I was 12 years old or so, I've had his, uh, his jersey. It's the only jersey I ever had. I want to meet him someday. I'll have to hook up with you in, in Vegas sometime and, and at least get that if I can't make it to one of his golf events. But, man, nobody puts it together like you do, and I just want to compliment you on that. You know, this thing about Rodgers, if, if that comes together for the Raiders, the Raiders will have the most expensive passer and receiver team in the in history of the NFL. And will that bring a championship? I guess nobody really knows, because even the greatest show on turf wasn't undefeated. They got one. But you just don't get the opportunity to bring in a gold jacket player. Look what Denver did. They got one out of two with Manning. But there's no way Rodgers is any kind of physical condition that Manning was here. I just don't see somebody like Brady coming in as old as Blanda. So, you know, if this guy's going to call in and have uh, wackadoodle radio, maybe he's got a conspiracy theory that would, you know, shape up one day just because Brady tie- has ties to, you know, commercial deals uh, with mm-hmm. casinos. But, you know, taking his name out early, maybe that's a good play. Maybe that's an ace up the sleeve. But you just don't get the chance to go after a gold jacket player. And no defense has ever been that low, rated 32nd in the NFL, and complimented an offense to win a Super Bowl. But like everything, it's about sales and it's about tickets. And you talk about expensive tickets now. Wait till Rodgers comes and this thing becomes the greatest thing to watch on TV. It'll be awesome. And I'm fully entrenched that Rodgers has to come here and the Raiders have to make the play to do it. The way I see it, the the uh, the 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 numbers for the uh, the amount of money the teams can spend, the cap, there it is, and mm-hmm. uh, it gets boosted 20, 20 million. So they save forty. That forty is looming out there. The forty and the twenty, easy. That's the sixty million that Rogers would get. That forty coming from Carr's old contract. This could be fantastic. It would put a nameplate on on the stadium, just like what you're saying. And it needs to happen if there's any way at all to happen. As far as the combine goes, oh, eleven picks. What's that going to do for you in row in uh, rounds? You know, five, six, and seven. I mean, getting uh, Crosby in fifth. That's an anomaly, but. Mm-hmm. They've really got to do their work about how they can take those picks and trade up into the second, third, and fourth round and find some linemen defensive and offensive to go to it. 
Great point. Thank Always you, a good call from Dave. Raider Dave's really good. Again, like I said, it's not the quantity of the calls he makes. It's the quality of them, and that's a good point. If you got a bunch of six-round picks or an extra seventh or a fifth, and you can move up, and you could do that. Again, how many seventh-round picks and six-round picks are going to make the Raiders roster? Well, on the defensive side, a number of them. Right, I would rather have a sixth-round rookie for the Raiders if they really think he can play corner or they really think he's a linebacker that can start and start on special teams and cover a tight end on third down. Go up and get him. Just move and get the guy. Just make sure your scouting was so disciplined that you know that this linebacker is going to be able to start and play. Because I'm sure the Raiders and Josh McDaniels are going to develop players on the practice squad. They did this past year. A lot of guys had to play on the offensive line. A lot of guys had to come in off the practice squad and play, and I think they did reasonably good jobs for the quality of players they were. We're just looking for better players. Better players overall, and that would really help. All right, good. Roxy Bernstein joins us, my longtime friend, a Bay Area sports radio host from time to time and a voice of college basketball, football, and Major League Baseball. He joins us on the flagship. Roxy, my buddy, good to Thanks for coming on, man. Spring training underway. This is your wheelhouse, college basketball. This is your time of year, my friend. The home stretch, JT, heading your way. What, next week? Uh, for yes. the, all those conference tournaments coming to Vegas. Yeah, and Vegas really took advantage of that, you know, over the years. And, you know, I lived in L.A. and the Bay Area with you. But uh, Vegas realized that. We got the Super Bowl coming up, F1, that – I think the fans, I think the conferences want to be here with T-Mobile and the Orleans and what we could do with the Thomas and Mac and other venues here to put on multiple conference championships at once. And I think the players like it, administration likes it, and the fans like knowing that they can prepare in advance to come to Vegas. I think the fans love it, JT, because it's a destination place. And there's so much to do, which you alluded to, but people are just so excited to be there. The energy for all the tournaments in Vegas and there's five tournaments going on uh, with the West Coast Conference tournament starting later this week at the Orleans Arena. Then you also have the Mountain West in addition to the Pac-12, the WAC, the Big West. So it has become the place to be in terms of college basketball, not just necessarily next week, but, of course, people crowding the sports books for the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament. And you're going to have a regional there in Vegas this year. Yeah, we're really excited about the regional. Roxy Bernstein joining us. Tell me about Gonzaga's recent win against St. Mary's, because for years I would say, look, I think Gonzaga needs to sweep every game in that bleeping conference and their tournament if I'm going to put them on the number one line, if I'm going to pick them as a one seed, let alone as I've done in the past, pick them to win the tournament. But there's always a game. You can catch a game on that in that conference on any given night, middle of the season, where you're a little bit flat. One of those schools sneak up on you. But St. Mary's this year more legit than I can remember in a while. And Gonzaga always trying to peak at this time of year so they can go on a big tournament run. Yeah, I don't think the Zags are at the level they were at. Look, when you know, go back a couple of years, and they had the target on their back as being the number one team in the country. They're really good. And a lot of people, it's funny, JT, because Gonzaga, people might consider this a down year for them, per se. So right now, you're probably looking at a three or four seed for the Zags. Um, And look, I felt pretty good they were going to stick it to St. Mary's, that the Gales beat them the first time around. But they're headed toward the WCC tournament and the unique format that they have. They'll have that automatic buy in the semifinals. So the double buy works. Uh, they'll be on one side. St. Mary's will be on the other. 
And we'll see where it shakes out, but they're trending in the right direction now. The veteran presence of Drew Timmy. I, I question the point guard play for Gonzaga. I just I don't know defensively if they're at that same level. But it, it, this is a tournament to me coming up that's going to be as wide open as we've seen it. There isn't that one dominant team that people are pointing to. We've got to take them down like the Zags have been. Uh, but I still think Gonzaga is going to be a three or a four and a very tough out just because of their experience. Roxy Bernstein joins us, great insider in multiple sports. You know me a long time. I got a sophomore who's a sun devil now out there in Tempe, <laughs> and that win over the Wildcats was amazing. It got Bobby Hurley his 20th win and a bonus on a buzzer beater. What's the difference between UCLA and the rest of the Pac-12, Arizona behind them there, but the Bruins with a comfortable lead in the conference there. Is it UCLA and everybody else out in the Pac-12? No, I think Arizona's right there. But even though the Bruins have made it somewhat anticlimactic next week mm-hmm. in terms of the Pac-12 race, they're going to be the one seeds in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena for the Pac-12 tournament. And for me, it comes down to Mick Cronin's team, JT. They have a couple of guys in Jaime Jaquez, and Tiger Campbell, that all they care about is winning. They don't, they'll sacrifice the personal stats. They'll do whatever they have to do, and that's somewhat refreshing this day in college basketball because not every team's got players like that. And they, you know, they went to the Final Four a couple of years ago. They're strong defensively. They're supremely talented, not just with those guys, but I think Jalen Clark, uh, the way he can defend, Adem Bona is a rim protector. They're a legitimate national championship threat and and they're trying to make a claim for a one seed they need to finish strong to get there but Arizona's not far behind the Sun Devils have the 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 win in heartbreaking fashion for Arizona with the with Desmond Cambridge Jr. shot from beyond midcourt that all of a sudden puts Arizona State back in the conversation as far as the bubble goes and trying to get into the field but Arizona was trying to position themselves for a one or a two, maybe. They're somewhere in the 2-3 line right now. You question the guard play of Arizona, but the one thing they have is the dominant force inside, the presence of Azulis Tabellis, who leads the Pac-12 in scoring and rebounding, and Umar Balo. There's not many teams that can compete with them physically inside. That's going to be a load for whoever matches up with Arizona come the tournament. Baseball, MLB, baseball, college football voice, multiple sports and talk show host, my good friend Roxy Bernstein. Just a general comment on Brandon Miller and what's going on with Nate Oates and how uncomfortable this scenario is after a young woman is murdered right off campus there at Alabama. He's involved at least in the gun getting there. It was a bad decision if he doesn't bring the gun there. If anything happens where that gun doesn't show up, maybe a life is saved, but basketball is going to move on and there's no doubt Alabama when someone's innocent and that would be Brandon Miller for now innocent until proven guilty they made the decision to let him play instead of benching him initially because if they benched him initially I don't think he ever comes back and plays because that just fuels the fire here how are you handling this topic on other shows when you talk about it people ask you about this and it certainly is a hot button issue because of the situation somebody tragically lost their life in this story, if you will, where, you know, Brandon Miller, as you pointed out, it's such a strange, bizarre story. Um, And then, you know, Brandon Miller, with all this drama surrounding him, goes out and puts up 41 points the other night when people are questioning if he should have even been playing for Alabama that night. 
it's really a tough decision. Greg Byrne, the athletic director, and Nate Oates self-admittedly could have handled that situation a lot better. Um, I think he was tone deaf in his comments initially um, and insensitive about the situation. He tried to backtrack later, but I think the damage was done as far as what he said. And it really is a sad situation for everybody involved. You wish it was handled better from Nate Oates and his perspective, but at the end of the day, Alabama is going to do what they felt was right and in, in best interest of, of, of Brandon Miller. And Brandon Miller, look, he, he was a cooperative witness in terms of what law enforcement has said, what his attorneys have said. Um, he has never been under investigation for the crime, and I think Alabama felt comfortable enough to let him play, even though a lot of other people are criticizing them for that decision. Roxy Bernstein. Rox, last one on baseball when you start knocking out all these games. And, you know, I know you got all your big college basketball requirements now, but the pitch clock in general, from where you was as, were as a kid when you first started going to baseball games with your dad to now taking your kids to baseball game and broadcasting MLB games at the highest level, what do you like, don't like about the pitch clock, and what can you tell our audience behind the scenes went into this and how it could benefit their experience when they go to the game? Well, I think a lot of people for the last few years, JT, were getting tired of the pace of play. That it, it took forever at times, it felt, for pitchers to throw the baseball. And they've tried to speed up the game. They've tried some methods in terms of, all right, limiting the number of mound visits over the years. And, and not just the pitch clock this year that's going to come into play, and we've seen it already have an impact in some spring training games. And I'm anxious to see how it will be really implemented once we get to the season as far as, okay, when does the pitch clock start? What are the parameters and the rules surrounding the batter uh, in terms of giving the pitcher enough time to be able to deliver that? So not only that, but then we're seeing the bigger bases to try to make it safer, to avoid collisions around the bags. There's a number of new rules that are going to be in play this year, which I think fans are going to have to get used to. But the pitch clock, to me, is the number one that people are going to all of a sudden look up and you see this clock winding down, uh, and the pitcher has to deliver the baseball before it runs out, or it's going to be a penalty, an automatic ball. We've seen it at the college level. that It was experimented with the minor leagues. They tried to fine-tune it. But it's still, I think, JT, going to be a work in progress, and people are going to have to get used to it, not just the fans, but the players and the coaches and managers. Like This is going to be an ongoing issue until uh, people are just comfortable with the situation. No doubt. Rox, you're in a wheelhouse right now. Your career continues to get bigger and better every year. Best to you and your family, and let's make sure we connect while you're out here in Vegas and get some beverages on me. Love to see you when I get out there, JT. Can't wait. Thanks, Rox. Roxy Bernstein, nice to get a baseball hit in and college basketball as everything is coming to Vegas here. Uh, Vegas is a baseball town, no debate. Big baseball town in Vegas, just from high school baseball, little league, the size of these little leagues all over town. And the pitch clock is a big story because of little leaguers. That's all this is about. I'm going to make you the smartest guy in the room when you're at the barbecue, you're having drinks with your buddies. And they say, what do you think of the pitch clock? Here's your answer. Ready? Major League Baseball is scared. And your friends are going to say, what what does that mean? And here's what you're telling them. Major League Baseball is so scared of the future, they're doing everything they possibly can to change the rules, 
to change everything. No, put a runner on second base in extra innings. Make sure the batter stays in the batter's box. Pitch clock. All of this, you can't run into the catcher. You have bigger bases now because we don't want any injuries at the base. We're going to have bigger bases and all this. They're scared. They want the game to go faster because of our cell phones. Because everybody brings their cell phones to a baseball game. And I'm watching a minor league game here now. A guy behind home plate didn't see a base hit. He had his head down on the cell phone. Most people are not watching the game. They're looking at their phone. Baseball wants games to go faster. I go to baseball games. I don't want them to go faster. I live in Vegas. If I want to see Major League Baseball, I have to travel to Oakland, San Diego, Seattle to watch a game. I don't want the game to go fast. I don't want the game to end in two hours. I'd like the game to go to three. Do I want it to go to three and a half? No. But who cares? Who's that busy between a baseball game that ends at two hours and 51 minutes and a baseball game that ends in three hours and 21 minutes? Who in those 40 minutes are freaking out to the point where they're, they're having a terrible experience? Baseball is scared of their own shadow, of their own shadow, and it's embarrassing. They're going to change everything in the hopes that 12-year-olds and 11-year-olds, when they become 30 and they have money to spend, will be baseball fans. That's what this is all about, trying to save the young fan who's no longer interested in baseball because they're interested in video games and their cell phones and social media. That's what this is all about. JT, we continue on. Thanks to Roxy Bernstein. Q Myers, live from the Combine at the top of the hour. Hardaway to bring it in to Kyrie. Kyrie backs up. 60-footer for the tie is no good, and the Lakers with their best win of the year. 111-108 over the Mavericks. It comes from 27 down, the largest comeback win in the NBA this season. Teams were 0 and 138 when trailing by 27 points today. But the Lakers pull it off. John Ireland on Lakers Radio. That's a good win for the Lakers. I'm not saying the Lakers are a championship team, but they are much improved than where they were before the All-Star break as we continue on. You heard we're brought to you by Grimaldi's. I have a fraternity brother in town with me. Been my roommate in college since I was 17 years old. 17, my roommate in the dorm. He's in here on a business trip. Last night, took him to Grimaldi's in Boca Park. Best pizza I ever had. He loved it. We had the Brooklyn Bridge, a couple of salads, had a couple of Modellos. Had a great time. Fantastic. Grimaldi's, thanks for being a proud partner of our show year after year here on the flagship of the Raiders. Uh, let's get out to Stefan in Northern California. You're up next. Thanks for waiting. Hey, JT. It's actually Dustin. Dustin, thank you. What's happening? Yeah. You guys, looks like you guys might have got some of our weather. Yeah, it's been wild down here. Cold, snowy, wet for a while. Sun's out today, but, you know, we do have oh, winters oh. out here in Vegas, that's for sure. At least we're not getting L.A.'s weather. L.A.'s getting worse than us or and getting worse than you. I think so. I just came off the hill, and it was snowing on me. I'm back down in Folsom, Sacramento, and it's just raining, so we can handle that. What's on your mind with the combine and the draft? Go ahead. I want the guys to find some diamonds in the rough. I want some Renfro, some Max Crosby-type guys for the defense. I mean, that's what we really need this year is really stack stack up that defense and get going. I think the offense is ready, man. I mean, 
maybe add, add a free agent or maybe one lineman, but the offense is ready to go. You know, the offense is the, the offense is ready with who at quarterback? Ready and ready for what? Okay, well, I went to Butte Community College, so I'm a big uh, Chico, you know, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers fan. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's kind of Aaron Rodgers or bust. I feel like unless we just hit it out of the park in the draft, like who else is going to lead the team? I think if he was on the team last year, it's a playoff team. I mean, everybody says the defense is so bad, but I think it's an average defense that gets worse when we're going three and out, yes. not scoring in the red zone. I mean, you could take that. Sometimes that defense looked incredible, and then three and out, three and out, three and out, and then here you go. The defense gives one up. I mean, you can't put it all on the defense. I've noticed that over the last you know decade. You know, it's been an average defense that just gets exploited after they have to stay on the field all game. Yeah, that's a very good point. Thanks for the phone call. That is a very good point about the Raiders' rankings on defense. I thought the Raider defense, and again, it was the softest Raider defense I've seen in the middle of the field. And how long? I don't know, but a long time. The middle of the field was soft as it's ever been since I've been around the team. They can't guard a tight end. They can't cover the middle of the field. But the caller made a really good point is that there were a lot of times when there was third and five and the Raiders were on their own 35-yard line and Derek Carr could have easily run for seven yards, fresh set of downs with Devontae Adams, fresh set, going to run another two or three minutes off the clock and the defense sits on the bench. We had a quarterback who never ran. All the quarterbacks run. He made a good point. The defense is on the field too much. We need a quarterback that can move the chains with his legs or take a big hit. Q from the Combine on deck.